Thank you, Edu. I'd like to begin by thanking each and every one of you whom I know um, has been praying for us, praying for the Lord's work in Sri Lanka. Uh, this year, we've been going through um, uh, a lot of trouble in the island, especially from January to March. Um, there's been a civil war in the country that's been going on for the last 30 years. And uh, this year, there was uh, what many would call a final battle. And um, tens of thousands of people, civilians, uh, died in this final battle. And uh, finally, um, the government has got control of all areas of the entire island of Sri Lanka. And so since May, we have seen uh, uh, the island become very peaceful and there has been hardly uh, any incidents at all. So uh, this is a result of your prayers and uh, we thank you very much uh, for it. And during the war years, it was very difficult uh, to spread the gospel because movement across the island was restricted. Uh, we were not able to go to many areas and so on. Uh, but uh, since May, we are now able to find that uh, uh, we are able to travel to areas we couldn't. And so the gospel is able to spread to a wider area. Now, please pray uh, for us because the Christians are still only less than uh, 5% of the entire country. So uh, it's a very large work. The majority uh, is Buddhist. There are about uh, 15, uh, uh, 75%. And then there are Hindus. Uh, they uh, account for about 15%. Then there's um, uh, the Muslims. And then the Christians are the smallest grouping. So uh, do pray for us uh, and the many other workers uh, uh, like us who are working in Sri Lanka. Uh, they are working very hard to spread the gospel and we are seeing more and more people um, receptive to the gospel because where there is war, where there is trouble, their hearts have been um, melted by the Lord, softened by the Lord. And that uh, uh, they are very receptive to the gospel. So uh, even as follow-up work is done and uh, homes are visited on a regular basis, uh, usually we um, would uh, travel uh, at least a week in every month across the island, and the rest of the time uh, I would be at our uh, church in Colombo, uh, and uh, we do value your prayers, so do continue to pray for us. And because of your prayers, the Lord has done great things in Sri Lanka. Now I'd like to share with you a few words from Scripture, and if you've got your Bibles with you, if you could turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, and I'm just going to read... Two verses there. Matthew chapter 9, reading verses 9 and 10. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And uh, if you can also turn with me to Luke chapter 5, where we see the same account. Luke chapter 5, 
and um, reading from 27 to 29, where it says, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. Now, I've been doing a study of uh, the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I thought that I will share a few thoughts with you this evening uh, on Matthew. Um, Lessons from the life of Matthew, if you wish. You see, many of the apostles or disciples seem like unlikely candidates for Christian service. Uh, They were very, they looked like unpromising material uh, for the nucleus of the church that our Lord was going to form. Um, In temperament, in outlook, they were all different from each other. They were very diverse people. But yet, in the hands of God, he formed them, or in the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ, he formed them into a great fighting force for him to go out into the world and uh, uh, bring souls to him. Now, uh, as I was telling you, they were all different in various ways. There was Thomas, he was a pessimist. Then there was Peter, he was a real enthusiast. Then there was James and John. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, in Mark 3.17 that they were sons of thunder. And then there was Nathaniel, and he was a very tranquil person, the essence of tranquility. And then there was Simon Zelotus. He had joined an armed struggle to get rid of the Roman uh, occupiers uh, or oppressors from the land. And then there was also Matthew who was also one of the disciples, um, and he had um, joined with the Romans, or he had collaborated them with them for his own selfish ambitions. But now we would see uh, from Matthew's life how God used this uh, converted traitor to write a gospel for him, to write a gospel about his son. Um, you see, uh, Matthew used his pen to work for Caesar. Uh, But God changed him. He changed this man uh, so that he then started to use his pen to write about the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I'd like us to look at uh, uh, his life that is in three points. His uh, uh, background, his call, and also his service. Now, firstly, his background. Uh, He was also known as Levi. Now, there's only a handful of verses about Matthew in the Bible. uh, And in Mark 2.14, it tells us that he was known as Levi. uh, And this suggests that he should have been uh, a man who was involved in service uh, in the temple. But yet, when we first meet him here in Matthew itself, where he's writing an Uh, his own account of how he met the Lord, we see that he was sitting at the receipt of custom. Now, uh, Levi was sitting at a tax desk, collecting tax or um, oppressing the people there, 
uh, on behalf of Caesar. And um, here's a lesson that uh, we can learn from the life of Matthew. Don't allow the job that you do to interfere with your priestly service for our Lord. Um, If necessary, like Matthew, when the call comes, alter the course uh, like Matthew did, and he followed the Lord. Um, There are many jobs that are incompatible with uh, a life of following the Lord and serving him. And we should be aware what these are. Uh, And just like Matthew, we must be willing to leave it and follow our Lord. You remember um, uh, Jonah was asked, what is thy occupation? Unsuitable employment can bring temptations into our lives. Let me give you an example. Do you remember Noah? If you turn with me back to Genesis chapter 9, we all know the, uh, the famous bits about Noah and the ark. And then also after uh, the uh, story with the ark, we see in verses 20 and 21 of Genesis chapter 9 that Noah became a husbandman. And it says, and Noah became an husbandman and he planted a vineyard. So he became a uh, a wine mogul, maybe some like someone in the Napa Valley who owns uh, many vineyards. But what happened with him taking this course of work after he had finished building the ark and now he had no real direction in his life, so he took up winemaking. Well, you notice in verse 21 that he became drunken. So a wrong course of employment or a wrong job can lead you into temptation. And then, uh, going back to Matthew, we notice that uh, Matthew here is writing about himself in Matthew chapter 9 and verses uh, 9 and 10. We notice that Matthew is referring to himself as Matthew the publican. Uh, Now, uh, Matthew always calls himself Matthew, and in some places, Matthew the publican. But others, uh, we notice how he addresses them. If you look at chapter 1 of Matthew and verse 6, he calls David the king. And chapter 3 and verse 1 of Matthew, he says John the Baptist. And then in chapter 26 and verse 6, he calls Simon the leper, uh, because a man cannot be blamed for his ill health. But to describe himself as Matthew the publican is an indication that He was rejoicing in the transformation that God brought into his life. He wanted everybody to know that I was a publican before and now I am serving the Lord. Um, And let us also be those that when the Lord calls us to serve him, let us rejoice in what the Lord has created us and made us. Let us tell others about the change in our life and how the Lord has molded us. Um, The other evangelists we notice uh, from the other Gospels here, they want to obscure Matthew's shameful history. So none of them refer to him as Matthew the publican. They all call him, 
in Matthew, uh, in Luke, and in Mark, they call him Levi. And here's another lesson that we can learn from the life of Matthew. Let their generous spirit towards Matthew also be our generous spirit. Luke didn't want to call him Matthew the publican because it was a little shameful to address him as that that was what he used to do. And so he refers to him as Levi. You see, there are some things about our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that we should never go and tell others or we should never gossip. And uh, here we see from the example of Matthew how the other disciples referred to him. It's an example for us to follow. In 1 Samuel, in 2 Samuel 1.20 it said, Tell it not in Garth. Don't go and spread the news around of the unsavory things that were happening or the unsavory past. Uh, you notice, uh, let me give you an example. If we go back to that story of uh, uh, Noah uh, in Genesis chapter 9, uh, because we've already looked at that example, I'll just use that again. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 22. Because um, Ab- uh, Noah had started drinking the wine that he was making, you notice in chapter 9 verse 21, uh, he became drunken and then he became naked. And then in verse 22, one of his sons went round and gossiped or told others that his father was naked. Do you see that in verse 22 of uh, Genesis chapter 9? Uh, and then what this brought about was that the son who went around gossiping received a curse. So let the sensitive attitude of the other two sons of Noah be an example to us. They didn't want to uh, gossip like the other brother. Instead, they went and covered the father's nakedness. And so, we should also have the same spirit towards fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. A lesson from Matthew, where other disciples covered his past history. They never referred to it. They wanted you to know the best points about him. And then, so this is his background. He was uh, working, uh, collecting taxes uh, uh, for Caesar. And now I want to look at his call. How was he called to serve the Savior? And his entire story, Matthew's entire story, is all brought together in one very undramatic verse. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. And it said, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. A very undramatic call to follow the Lord. And to his credit, Matthew didn't have any excuses lined up. When the Lord said, follow me, he instantly followed him. He didn't give any excuses. Do you remember uh, Moses? Uh, if you look at Genesis chapter 4 and verse uh, 10, you would see that Moses said that, he was backward. He was inarticulate. And do you remember Gideon? If you look at Judges chapter 6 verse 15, Gideon says, I am too poor to serve thee. And then if you look at Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 6, what was the excuse that Jeremiah gave when he was called? He said, 
I am too young. And then, do you remember Elisha? For Elisha, it was all too sudden. When the call came, he wanted to go and say goodbye to his uh, family. And then, uh, Matthew, when the call came, the response was immediate. And so, my brothers and sisters, here's a lesson from the life of Matthew. What about you? When there's a job to be done, do you instantly listen to the call of God? When he speaks to you from the word, or when your elders, uh, your church here ask you to do something, are you instantly ready to follow and serve God? Uh, Do you remember Philip? When there was a job to be done, he rose up and went. Acts 8, 27 tells us. Or are you going to be like Jonah? When his call came, he turned and went the other way. And then uh, we can learn yet another lesson from the life of Matthew. We notice that Matthew was very unassuming that he never blew his own trumpet. Uh, He leaves Luke to tell us details about him that would impress him. Can I have that uh, slide up, uh, please? Uh, For example... uh, Matthew has written about his call um, in the book of Matthew, verses 9 and 10. And Luke has written the same account about his call in Luke. And you notice the difference between the um, two verses. Could we have that slide up? It's coming. Sorry. You notice the difference between Luke's account and Matthew's account, where Luke tells us that he left all in Luke 5.28. Whereas Matthew doesn't tell us that. You see, Luke is left to inform us of the sacrifice that Matthew made. Matthew doesn't make any big deal about the sacrifices that he made, leaving everything behind to follow the Lord. And um, Matthew didn't want to be someone who boasted. Do you remember in 2 Kings chapter 10 and verse 16, What did Jehu say? He said, come with me. See my zeal for the Lord. He wanted everybody to know what he was doing for the Lord and how much he was serving him and I'm working all day, all night for the Lord. But no, Matthew was not like that. He didn't boast about what he did. He quietly went about his work serving God. And so here's another lesson that we can learn from the life of Matthew. Emulate his humility. Follow the humility of Matthew. Avoid self-advertisement. Do not raise ourselves up, but let us raise Christ up, because he is the one who did everything for us. In fact, uh, there is a very good verse in Isaiah 42 and verse 2, Uh, where God says about the Lord Jesus, Isaiah 42, verse 2, He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. The Lord wanted to make himself lowly. So let us also, like Matthew, make ourselves lowly, just like the Lord Jesus uh, left. And then we learn another lesson from the life of Matthew. Uh, The fact that he left all 
Luke, uh, 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 Luke's account tells us that he left all uh, is an indication of his total rejection of his past life. You see, true repentance means that each of us have to have a complete break from our past life. God and mammon are incompatible, Matthew 6.24 tells us. The living God and idols cannot coexist. Um, And so, divided affections will never please God. Um, You see, friendship with the world will place us at odds with him. That's what James 4.4 tells us. And so, that is the reason why scripture says, Matthew left all. Because he wanted to show his saviour that I'm totally devoted to you. I want to follow you. I leave my past behind. And then, secondly, he left all is an indication of the sacrifice that he was willing to make to be associated with the Lord Jesus. You see, Peter and Andrew left their nets. Uh, Mark 1.18 tells us when the call came. Business had to take a back seat when the call from the Lord came. And then James and John, they left their father Zebedee. Mark 1.20 tells us when the Lord Jesus said, follow me. And so what does that mean? It means family ties took a second place when the call from Lord came. And so Matthew left all, not only his business, not only his family, he left it all behind when he followed the Lord. And for those of you who are willing to do that, to leave your past behind and to totally be devoted to the Lord, I can guarantee you that there will be a rich reward awaiting for you if you are able to do that. You see, uh, Matthew 19 verses uh, 27 and 30, we'll just read these verses, tells us how much the reward will be if we are able to be devoted to our Lord. Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 onwards. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And here's the words directly from the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that has forsaken houses, or forsaken brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. You see the amount of the reward that you will get? A hundredfold reward if you are willing to leave all. Now, we may not, like the apostles, we definitely will not be seated on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's a reward just for them. But our reward will be very great if we are to follow like Matthew leave all and follow him. And then uh, finally, I'd like to focus on his service. We saw his call, his service. How did he serve God after he was called 
by the Lord Jesus. You see, uh, Matthew's experience was just like the case of Peter's wife's mother. You know the story of Peter's wife's mother? No sooner was she healed, no sooner was she well, that the Bible says she arose and ministered unto them. There was no time lag. As soon as she got well, she was up and at it, working away for God. And so says Luke, in Luke 5.29, you notice here, it says that he made a great feast. Now, here's another example of Matthew not uh, blowing his own trumpet. Matthew just says uh, that he had a meal. But Luke says, great feast. So obviously Luke was there and he could see that Matthew had gone through a lot of effort to prepare this great feast. And um, later in the gospel, um, we would see that uh, a great supper will form the basis uh, for this parable. Uh, And um, uh, we see that in Luke 14 verse 6. And um, there is a great spiritual blessing for those that are willing to serve God this way. You see, uh, Matthew responds by making him, uh, making the Lord a great feast because only the very best would do for the Lord. You know, sometimes we have to hang our heads and confess that often we offer him sometimes the leftovers of our time, our energy, our finances. We are not perfect, aren't we? Uh, you see, like the people of Malachi's day, we need to offer the very best for our God. Um, and so, having uh, responded to the invitation of the Great Supper, we need to say like Malachi, come for all things are now ready. Luke tells us another fact in this verse, that Matthew doesn't tell us. Luke tells us that the great feast was in Matthew's own home. You notice that Matthew just says home. He doesn't say that it's his home. And uh, here's another lesson that we can learn from the life of Matthew. His home was available for the Savior. His home was available for the Savior. You see, to be sure, the feast was in honor of him, uh, uh, but very evidently, Matthew used this opportunity to invite former colleagues to come round uh, and meet the Lord Jesus. And here's a question for each and every one of us. We all have homes that we live in. Are our homes being used for the maximum advantage to the Lord? You see, many of the saints I know here in this church, it's a great credit to you all, uh, and I have noticed this over over 10 years, that you all are very, very happy to welcome visitors and guests and open your homes. And you all are doing a fantastic service for the Lord. You all are doing exactly what Matthew did. He opened his home for the Lord, not only bringing... Um, uh, believers in the Lord Jesus and his disciples, but he went out and he called in all his former friends from his workplace. Most of them would have probably not known the Lord or been, um, uh, they would have been unsaved. For Matthew, he did not 
arrange a cozy evening of fellowship and hymn singing, he went out and called the baddest or the, the worst people because the, he knew that he was one of them before. And he invited them uh, to meet the Lord. You see the verse there in Luke says, a great company of publicans. A great company. In other words, his home was being used for the furtherance of the gospel. The mention of great company suggests to me that this wasn't an easy thing that Matthew was doing. He had to put in work. He had to put in effort. But he did it. You know what it's like to have a great company in your house? It's easy, isn't it, to have two or three people? But when you have, you know, 15, 20, 30, it becomes a lot of work. And um, Matthew contacted the only friends he had ever known, his fellow outcasts. He gathered them in. Here's a lesson that we can learn. Can you anticipate any way in which your home can be used for him? You will have to anticipate uh, maybe your space might not be enough, might be cramped conditions in your home. Uh, there might be the irritation of uh, children running around or minor damage to your furniture and fittings. Then there is the cost involved in hosting people to your home. But Matthew was willing to do it all because he was doing it for his Savior and he wanted others to come and know about this wonderful person that he had met. And then uh, there is only a handful of verses that are in the Bible about Matthew. These are just a few of them. And uh, the final verse where Matthew is mentioned in the Bible, I thought that I'll end on this note because it's uh, very appropriate, uh, is that Matthew was at the prayer meeting. We see that in Acts chapter 1, and verse 13. This is the final time that he is mentioned in scripture by name. And here we are at a prayer meeting and Bible study. And all of you who are attending here, you all are doing a great service for God. Because you know the time of prayer, this is the powerhouse of God. Amen. This is where things are achieved. This is where things are um, uh, move forward for God. And you see here, uh, this is our last glimpse of him in Matthew 1.13. You see his, in Acts 1.13, you see his name there. And uh, there is one other mention of Matthew, but his name is not there. Uh, uh, not mentioned, but it's in Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. We see Matthew would have been there because it says in Acts 2.14, but Peter standing up with the eleven. So, Matthew was obviously one of the 11 disciples. So here we see another example of Matthew. When the gospel was being preached, he stood there in support of the preacher. This is how we need to be in our service for God. We need to be those that attend the prayer meeting. Whenever the Savior is looking down and seeing who's there, he will count. He will see. He knows who's there uh, in the powerhouse of God, mentioning, uh, praying uh, for uh, the various requests that are needed uh, for people and for the local church. And so perhaps Matthew had a low profile um, in comparison to the others, but he rendered invaluable service for God. 
um, uh, those who work in the background doing great things like opening their homes, preparing, uh, inviting people to come and hear the Savior, you all are doing a very great thing. And may I encourage you to continue doing these things for the Lord, just like Matthew did. And there are very few facts about Matthew in Scripture, but these very few facts that we have read about him uh, this evening, may it be an encouragement to each of us as we seek to serve him more. Do you want me to close in prayer or would you? Let's close in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee for another opportunity that thou hast given us to come together and gather as a company of thy people. We thank thee, our Father, for thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and for the great uh, sacrifice that he did for us when he left Uh, his home above and came down to die for sinners like us. And because of this, our Father, we shall remain forever in his debt. And we are privileged, our Father, to come and serve him and to uh, witness for him and to bring others uh, to know him. And we pray, our Father, that we may be those that follow the example of Matthew, that we would be those who would leave all, uh, that we would be those who uh, would follow the Savior, that we would be those that bring others to know him. And that my prayer this evening, our Father, is that all here this evening would be a great blessing to thee as they serve thee. Part us with thy blessings, we pray, and take us all safely to our homeward destinations. We ask this in the most precious and worthy and fragrant and matchless name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.